Welcome in to another new podcast from the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. My name is Ben Dubose, news editor with the AMP Publications team. Today, I'm joined by Andy Shingledecker, the area manager of Campos EPC. Andy, good morning. Thanks for taking the time. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. And I think a good place to start, if you could just tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your involvement with Campos, what you do on a day-to-day basis, and also what it is that you're doing with AMP these days as well. <laughs> okay. I, um, the Cliff Notes version, I've spent 25 years as a welder, a foreman, assistant superintendent um, from the construction side of things. On the inspection and engineering side, I've been a construction coordinator, construction manager, project manager uh, for various entities, midstream and engineering. I got involved with AMP prior, two years prior to the merger um, that created them. I've uh, been involved with AWS, Welding Society, uh, a little bit longer because that's the majority of my background. AMP was very embracing of me wanting to get involved and do more things and kind of learn new stuff. Training is excellent. So I've got multiple certifications uh, through them for coatings and that sort, cathodic protection. And um, my involvement with Campos, it, we're, I'm actually developing and building a new office for them in Tulsa, Oklahoma, okay. which is uh, a new area of expansion for us and it's a mirror of our Houston operation that we have. So we're, you know, 20 plus offices across the country right now and 740 plus some odd employees. So a large EPC um, firm, engineering support services, you name it, construction, we have it all. I know one area of expertise for you and a subject that you're passionate about, both in terms of your day-to-day and also the things you do with AMP, is about the concept of inspectors with multiple certifications and increasing the role and importance of those in our industry at large. So today's show, we're largely going to be talking about that, how to best utilize those types of inspectors, how to train them, best practices, lessons learned, I know those types of multiple certifications are in your wheelhouse. It's important to you. It's important to your company. I know you're working with AMP on this front as well. So we're going to dive in a bit deeper into some of the things that you've learned over your career and perhaps things that people listening to this podcast might can learn from and use in their own training moving forward. So Andy, if we could, a good place to start, just walk us through, I suppose, your introduction to the world of multiple certifications. When did you realize that that was important for you? And why did you take the extra step to then try and work on it for the industry at large? Yeah, my being in construction, I thought that was a, a huge and valuable background for me. And having such a, a lengthy history behind me, when I first decided to step foot onto the inspection side where I knew I was going to need certifications, obviously. Uh, CWI was my first one because I'd spent so long welding. Um, after getting that, kind of got high level involved in welding with uh, the company I was working for and escalated very quickly there from just a senior welding inspector 
up to um, kind of their their head of welding inspection, if you will. And um, at that point, the the people I was working for, the direct leadership, I realized most of them had AMP certification, or at that time they were NACE or SSPC certifications. And I started asking questions and been around coatings um, and stuff related to pipelines and facilities for a long time. And one of my immediate supervisors, he was like, here, I'll help you get started. I'll get you your membership and get you sent to a training. And that kind of kicked it off for me. And at that point, I realized that my longevity tied to a project was increasingly based on how utilizable um, I was. And that being when the welding finished, I could hang around for coatings um, or cathodic protection or you name it based on that. But the reality is my construction background honestly had very little to do with me um, kind of staying on a project as much as I felt it was valuable. And some people will, will argue, you know, till they're blue in the face that you got to have background and history in the business. It's just not, you know, in today's date and time, it's more applicable to be tech savvy, um, to be able to, you know, this, this business has been paperless for 10 years and a lot of folks try and ignore that. And, if you're not able to utilize every ounce of technology that's put in front of you at a, at least at a common level, you're going to get left behind. But multi-cert wise, that that's kind of what broke the ice for me and what showed me a little bit of value and kind of made me want to go further. Mm -hmm. We're talking now with Andy Shingledecker, area manager of Campos EPC, chair of the CEPC exhibits and sponsorship task force. Andy, to dive deeper into these multi-cert inspectors, I think a good introductory question, when it comes to inspection processes that are used these days in the field, be it for coatings or whatever form of corrosion control, how can these multi-cert inspectors be best utilized? They, you know, the thing with multi-cert inspectors is it depends on your project. Right. And to, to not venture too far down that rabbit hole, a multi-cert inspector is always going to be a little more valuable than a single cert. We're going to have to swap people in and out um, and move things around. If you have a an individual, a person that is uh, well-versed um, in multiple disciplines across that project, be it for coatings, uh, CP, you know, you name kind of the, the certification that just adds inherent value. One, you keep the same faces, um, the same reporting practices, all those things stay in line. And there's a, there's a level of continuity mm -hmm. that's usually undervalued in our, in our construction world, where when you can maintain a, a quality of continuity, it is, it's game changing for your project. And it's, it's, it's game changing for your project manager be it from the owner side or, you know, the contractor side who's trying to run that, that there's a level of just, I don't have to worry about that because I know I've got quality personnel that can cover multiple things. And to say that one of the things I always get feedback on from different folks is that, well, I've got two certs. I want two paychecks. 
right? And they always mm-hmm. make that argument that I should be getting paid for both of those. And, and the reality is you're not doing both actions at once. You're usually only looking at one thing at a time. What this does is it keeps that, that paycheck coming longer because you stay on project longer because you are more um, able to be easier, easily, easierly utilized, if that's a word, um, kind of across that start to finish. And, you know, that's where the value comes in. I, I, I wish people had a less myopic view of themselves and the project as a whole and kind of stepped back and looked at it from, you know, like a 30,000 foot view. And, you know, if they would realize at that point, the value of they themselves taking an interest in personal betterment and advancement, and then looking at what that does for their career. I like, I can tell you shorts along that that was a, a kind of defining moment for me in the reality of I have an engineering degree. I am not Mm -hmm. a PE. I've never practiced it. It's just, I did it to placate my parents. Right. And I, I've been a a tradesman. I've I've been a craft worker. And for me, that holds like very little value, but these certifications that I have with my name hold so much value. And that's what I sell myself on. And, And to say that I've, I'm in a spot where I, um, depending on who you talk to, am C-suite leadership now or C-suite adjacent leadership. But like my ability to do that isn't tied to those, but those are the things that got me here, mm-hmm. right? They, they made a difference between me just always being a craft worker and actually moving into the carpet, moving into the office and and get to do something at a higher level to support those craftspeople and those tradespeople that like I, I grew up working with and I grew up getting muddy with and getting covered in coating and, and, you know, meteor sand and just, we need more advocates on the inside than the outside. And, you know, that's our other push from this, this CEPC task force is to get that contractor involvement, to get the, the boots on the ground people to show up and get, get their voices heard and get engaged and get involved. And again, it circles full circle back to, we do that through uh, certifications, qualifications, training. Let's talk from a management perspective, because I know part of the end goal is not just to have these multi-cert inspectors, but to utilize them in the best possible way to maximize their contributions. And there's definitely certain strategies or approaches that you can have to do that. What are some of the ways that you can optimize or streamline the workflow to boost the overall accuracy, efficiency? Just talk if you could, when we're talking about working with these multi-cert inspectors, what from a management perspective you can do to best optimize their workflow at a given job site? Organization's critical. Making sure project, how it per progresses is critical to that how the job is organized start to finish is very critical and you know like i'm huge on soft skills if if anybody follows me um they know like that's my big thing on on linkedin and stuff is that i i push leadership and soft skills and i one of the things is that like we talked about the continuity you have to build a cohesive team that um supports each other and has the ability to to pick up shortfalls and that 
one of the things I've had early on in that in that part of work, truly in both sides of my work, was that I've always been able to surround myself with really great teams, high quality, high quality professionals that it wasn't you never got a that's not my job. You always got a hey, I got that or I'll cover that. And it was people with similar but different skill sets that could jump in and kind of augment what was going on because we all know in this in this world it is um it's ever changing at a very fast rate and schedules can get altered you know production can get altered so many things are are up for grabs and you know we're still dealing with supply chain issues that if you don't one, pick your multi-certs correctly and make sure you're getting the right certifications for that job. You know, ultimately, it doesn't always need to be a, a set couple of certs, right? The API mm -hmm. offers a whole range of certs as well for um, 510, 570, 653 above ground tanks, um, vessels and that sort of stuff. All those things lay into that, right? And I think that's the deal is one, you have to be knowledgeable about what is going to be required on your job, which one means participating in or advocating for pre-job uh, meeting, knowing how to read and go through your specs from your owner, from the different manufacturers to make sure that you're putting the right qualified individual in that place too. So like there's so many, um, kind of minute aspects to it that make it just a huge difference in building that team. And, you know, dare I say that if you have the right individual with the right attitude, the tech side of this, the training side of this is the easy part. What are some of the common challenges or obstacles that people who are not multi-certified inspectors face when they're out in the field? Just walk us through some of your I don't want to say failure stories because that sounds harsh, yeah. although that is accurate in some cases, but just talk if you could about the, the challenges and the obstacles at play. Yeah, I, I think it's a lack of understanding, right? And it, and you're exactly 100% right on failure stories. I, my first exposure, I was, I was still welding. I think I was a welder foreman at the time. I was filling in for one of my guys and I never met this guy. I had been out on the right of way a lot, but he comes up and he's like, Hey, you guys are gonna have to fix these welds back here. And I was like, yeah, I'll, let me go with you. I'll take a look. And I start looking at them. They're already coded with, with, uh, FBE. And I'm like, I don't get what you're talking about. And he's like, well, all this. And then he starts pointing at different stuff. And I'm like, are you a CWI? He's like, no, I'm the NACE inspector. And I was like, Oh, well, that's great. Two things. This weld's already been x-rayed and that group has said this is okay this is acceptable and it's already been visually inspected by the guy that gets paid to visually inspect the weld as a cwi and he said it was acceptable and you're the coding guy and that's great but i don't care what you think right and it was a bad attitude for me to have at that point but that's one of the things you run into and it goes vice versa that you know you'll get welding guys or tank guys that start nitpicking and coding and they don't really know what they're looking at and i for me, those are the things that kind of tie into that of you need to you need to be aware of the other trades that you're going to be around and how to work together and how to build like a solid relationship and and trust each other to to 
push towards the right end, you know, to get to that attainable goal. And, you know, that's the reality. You're going to be out there with tank inspectors and you're both going to need to be in the same place. And, you know, there's lighting requirements for coding inspection and all those things that a lot of people don't know about. Right. And if you're dealing with a contractor or another group that like it's acceptable for them to work inside a tank with no light and you get in there and go, well, this is the spec says you have to have this much light to do what I have to do. It says you have to have this much light to be doing what you have to do. And like they may or may not argue with you, but the reality is it's, and I say ignorance is as a polite term, they just don't know. And so there's a lot of education that goes on on a day-to-day basis. And that's, that's where I find myself getting, um, excited and, you know, trying to get people to understand all facets of what we do and, and, and the alignment of other industries, other services to this. I know at a high level, we talked earlier about the importance of understanding this from a management perspective, but in the very short term, when a project manager encounters some of those issues, how can they overcome those challenges? Again, I think in the long run, it's pretty clear in terms of prioritizing what the strategy can be and so on and so forth. But when you're in one of those, I suppose, failure lessons, as we were saying, how can you potentially overcome that in the short term? Just explain some of the lessons that you learned about sort of getting over that hump in the field. Yeah, listening is paramount, right? And you have to listen um, to understand, not to respond in those situations, because you're trying to, um, you know, there, there's a difference between empathy and compassion. And I used mm-hmm. to think I was very empathetic, and I had somebody go, "You're not empathetic at all. What you are <laughs> is compassionate." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." Um, and that, you know, that's one of those things where somebody that's empathetic is trying to get under the boulder with you and feel the pain, right? So he's compassionate, trying to get the boulder off of you. And that's the role you need to be in, in that situation is listen to what they're bringing to you, whatever that problem is, or the lesson that they're learning in that moment, or that the, the whole site is going to learn in that moment. And by default, and, and I say this is the great thing about these certifications and training across the board is that they they don't teach you to memorize anything. What they do is they teach you how to search for it and find it. And that's your next step, right? Is you take in all the information and you start kind of going through the RCA or the root cause analysis of Mm -hmm. how did we get here? How do we correct it and move forward? And for that, you're going to have to know where to find your procedures, you're going to have to know where to find your specifications and all the other criteria associated with whatever, you know, problem or hiccup or learning experience you're going through at that point. And then, and honestly, the probably the hardest part of that is re-disseminating that information hmm. because you're going to have to get it to people that aren't familiar with it, right? You, you hand a, somebody that is, you know, like a I can speak really well to, to pipeline work, but you hand a tie form and something about coatings and he has no understanding about that or she has no understanding about that. Then you go, okay, th- you know, this is what this boils down to, right? Like we can't have this level of humidity. We have to do these things to control our environment. 
or you know whatever it may or may not be and it and it's just just that we all work so closely together and are so closely aligned and we see those other crafts and trades doing their job all day and we just don't always pay attention to all the nuance of it and like i get so frustrated when people call coatings paint i'm like paint is a coating but coatings aren't paint and you know it's the bourbon and whiskey discussion right like i there's so much nuance to it that and i don't expect everybody to get that deep into it but that's that's where leadership needs to function is in that nuance and know how to address each specifically and kind of help them move to the move to success yeah, on the topic of success, we've spent the last few minutes talking about some of the lessons learned from failures and cases where you're dealing with individuals that aren't multi-cert inspectors. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum and talk about success stories where companies, contractors successfully utilize multi-cert inspectors to yield significant benefits or improvements on a project. Can you share an example or two of a case study where that happened and what factors do you think ultimately contributed to the success of those cases? Yeah, I, on um, man, in the and I hate that it's all I know I, is the reality of it. But in in a in a pipeline world, that is the fastest place to show like a utilization benefit of having a, a multi cert, mm-hmm. multi craft inspector where. Um, the person that is, you know, if if we look at me specifically, right, if I throw myself into the scenario that I am going through with welding and inspecting the welds as they go through, that crew finishes up, I go back and start following coding through on those welds. And then as we're burying the line, I'm going through inspecting the CP at the same time that the contractor is setting up. So, the reality is I've seen so much of that repetitively through that line and have a, a even if it's a high level understanding of each step and kind of what's involved, the, the efficiency of that process is, is crazy. That the continuity of the reporting is great. And then you just, it's hard to like, put into specifics, I guess, for me, but that that individual following start to finish multiple times through, the reality is sometimes they're going to catch something that they didn't catch the first time through. And I were, we were doing a small project in the mountains on small diameter pipe. We built a little bypass for this mine to stay open. And we got everything put together, everything had been inspected. And then we were coming through to coat stuff and it was all temporary, but we realized that we had used the wrong fittings on that temporary line. And so we had to, you know, cut a bunch of stuff out. And the reality is like do inspectors had looked at all that stuff. Right. And, and the, the trades people had looked at it and every, like everybody missed the exact same thing. And the thing for me with inspection, kind of how I describe it, it's described to me this way is it's like layers of Swiss cheese. Each slice has different holes in it 
And there are times when you can stack Swiss cheese up and you can get one hole to line up all the way through it. But inspection is designed to eliminate those holes the further you go. So the more layers you put in there, the less chance you can get all the way through with a, an error or a mistake. And that's kind of visually, ethereally, how I look at that scenario that, man, what a, how crazy is it that that made it all the way through? And then on the backside of, you know, how do we adjust this moving forward to keep that from happening again? Because the reality is the process wasn't that flawed. It was just kind of everybody kind of had an off day once, right? And yep. you still end up there. And it's hard to do lessons learned when you can, like, as many times as you can analyze it, you still come up with the same deal. Like, this was just bad luck. We're winding down now with Andy Shingledecker, area manager of Campos EPC. Generally speaking, to someone listening that may be interested in becoming multi-certified themselves, what advice would you give them? What are the criteria that that they should keep in mind as they go about through this process? And what are some of the steps that they can take to potentially ensure that they're successful? I um, just general advice I would give, it, and this was given to me by a dear old friend of my, my uncle got me into pipelining. That was his lifelong profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would always ask people what the best data plant uh, of the country was. And, you know, people struggle for an answer. And his response is yesterday. Yesterday was the best day to do it. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it as soon as you can. And I say that in relation to getting a certification, getting two or three or four certifications, that it is critical that you do it soon. And the sooner you do it, the sooner you start adding experience behind it, which is what really matters in this world. And don't think that having multiple certs is going to automatically get you jobs because there is, it's hard to tell what comes first, the chicken or the egg. But as Mm -hmm. you start applying to inspection companies, dare I say it is nepotism based, but you are going to have to make a friend somewhere that's willing to kind of put their head on the line for you and go, this is a good person. They know what they're doing. They have good reports. I've seen their work before because the reality is that's how the majority of this world was, was built in that area. And, you know, experience does matter. Certifications do matter, but none of it matters if there's nothing behind it. And every, that's the other common question I get asked is, well, how do I get experience if nobody will hire me? Right. And, I don't know. I don't know what to ever tell somebody for that. Right. I go, well, you'll be able to get a job somewhere. And I, I think the reality is maybe your expectations don't align with where they should in terms of whether it's financial or, you know, any other thing that you're looking for working close to home, (laughs) excuse me. But I think then the, in the big picture of this stuff, yes, you should get certified yes, you should get more than one. And I would pick them based on your background and history. I would pick them based on who and what and where you want to see yourself and projects you want to get involved in. Ask your friends, ask industry professionals, get involved. You know, the best thing I have with with the groups that I kind of run in is that everybody's always asking for volunteers. 
know that it's a volunteer. You're not going to get paid for it. But those are the things that make huge impacts in your life and in other people's lives when you can, you know, volunteer. Like for me, getting on this task force uh, with AMP, I'm doing different stuff with AWS as well. I do stuff with Southern Gas Association. I sit on committees there and chair and vice chair a couple of committees with them. So like that stuff is critical if you're looking to alter alter the future of our industry and our, our business. So getting involved in inspections and, and certifications, learning, and that's my big thing. I love learning. I love the classes. And I don't always pass the test on the first try. I, I try really hard, but I don't test really well. So it's that's a difficult thing for me. But keep your head up and stay at it. And all honesty, I, I have yet to meet anybody on either side that when I ask for help or I ask for reference that they weren't just on it and going, yeah, here, this is call this person or here's this person's email. So I hope that answered that question. Yeah, I think so. That's really good advice and it should be fairly applicable to our audience, to people listening across the spectrum of this industry. I think that's a really comprehensive look at it and it should be beneficial to a lot of our listeners or at least i hope it is andy before we let you go for anyone that wants to reach out to you directly with any follow-ups what's the best way that they can get a hold of you um andy.shingledecker at camposepc.com is probably the fastest easiest way um you can find me on linkedin you can reach out to me there just i that's kind of the one and only thing i do um <laughs> I, I i limit my my exposure to social media um understandable so <laughs> that's that's kind of it you know you're always welcome to email me I, you can find me on sga's website i do stuff on there um my good friend alina she's got me plastered up on aws's website now um, mm. for the conference we're doing together with amp we're we're running a track for amp at their inspection expo and conference in austin in november i believe so um come down and see me i'm putting on a, a multi-cert inspector um, presentation i'm bringing a panel with me of some some great industry um folks to kind of just talk from every aspect and you know this panel is going to be a ask me anything kind of scenario it's we're we're going to have some some thought provoking things to talk about, but where you're not really going to have an agenda. Hmm. So, um, and that's a great conference. I went to the um, inaugural one a few years ago prior to COVID, um, and it was great. I've been excited and kind of waiting on it to come back. And again, that conference is one of the things that specifically got me really focused and pushing towards multi-cert. That was my... Um, I'd already known a little bit about NACE at that point, but uh, yeah, I, that's that's the best way to get a hold of me. Email me, go from there. And then for the company, it's camposepc.com as far as the website for you guys. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure that one still works. We, I think they're we're such a monstrosity. We're, and I say that in the nicest way. We're a very large company. We have multiple entities, and yeah. I think they have a campos companies dot com website now <laughs> okay so either one still works i i know they they told us um at our director's call that they had no plans of making one not go live but um 
yeah, so either way, I think you'll get to our company website and you can see the the breadth and width of everything we touch, not just oil and gas, we're power delivery, energy supply, renewables, you name it. And it and it's all stuff we love. It's all stuff we we value and kind of champion for um, in that world. So yay, natural gas champions. <laughs> Yeah, I just tried it myself, camposepc.com and camposcompanies.com. Both of them work. So, yes, go awesome. to your website of choice. Andy, thank you so much for the Please. time. Thank you. This was great. Absolutely. And with that, we will put a bow on this episode. For Andy, I'm Ben. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you want more resources from us at AMP, the Association for Materials Protection and Performance, simply go to the AMP website at ampp.org. That's amp.org. Again, for Andy Shingledecker, I'm Ben DuBose, news editor with the AMP Publications team. Thanks again for listening, and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast.